Gracious and eternal God, we give you thanks for this day. Thank you for the rain. We thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in your house and to hear your word and to receive the sacrament of your body and blood. We pray that your grace might take root in our heart this day and that we might be strengthened for our journey as we follow you day by day. Guide us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this morning's Old Testament lesson takes us way back to the dim recesses of history, to the beginning of the story of Abraham. And actually here in Genesis 12, he's still called Abram. God is going to change his name a few chapters later. Tell you what, I'm just going to call him Abraham, since that's how we usually know him. And besides, if I tried to remember to call him Abram through this sermon, I'd mess it up anyway. So let's just go with Abraham. (laughs) Abraham is known as father of us all, Paul says, but also sometimes called the father of faith. He's an incredibly important person in the biblical story. Ian McLaren, a Scottish preacher from several generations back, called this particular passage, God's call to Abraham, the most important event in the entire Old Testament. Wow, that's quite a claim. Is it really more important than King David? More important than Noah's Ark? More important even than creation itself? Well, yes. It probably is. It's the story of God choosing a particular man, a particular people, and in the end, you see, it's the story of God choosing us. So let's see what we can learn about Abraham in this rather brief text, and and then let's see what we can learn about ourselves as well. Abraham's story is the story of a journey, the journey of faith. It begins very abruptly. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. The journey of Abraham begins with a promise, a promise made by God. And who is Abraham that God would make such a promise to him? Well. We really don't know very much. Right before this passage, at the close of chapter 11, Abraham is at the end of a long genealogy that traces the descendants of Noah. We know from Joshua 24 that Abraham and his family lived beyond the Euphrates and that they served other gods, pagan gods, in other words. And yet, seemingly out of nowhere, the Lord speaks to Abraham and tells him to leave everything behind and set out on this journey. And there's a promise. I will bless you. The journey begins with a promise. And so it is with us. Our journey of faith begins with a promise. It's the promise that we received in holy baptism. We believe that in our baptism, God spoke to us, God called us just as he called Abraham. And that call included a promise 
one not all that different from the promise to Abraham, I will bless you, because to us in holy baptism, God said something like this, as Canon Mary reminded us on Thursday night, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Marked as Christ's own. It's the promise that we belong to Christ and that in this journey of faith, wherever it may lead us, we are not alone. We are his and he will bless us. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Well, that was quite a lot that the Lord asked of Abraham. You know, in the ancient world, one's very identity depended absolutely on family. That's hard for us to grasp in our mobile society where people move away so freely from their home and family, sometimes very far away. In the ancient world, that simply did not happen. And yet it's what Abraham is told to do. And we Christians, too, are called to leave things behind, things that we love, things that are comfortable, that feel like home. You know, we get a hint of this when we read the story of Jesus. When he first encounters Simon and his brother Andrew, the fishermen who are hard at work, Jesus says, follow me. And what does the gospel writer say they do? They leave their nets and follow him. They leave behind what they know, leave behind what's comfortable. Or in today's story of Nicodemus, Jesus says to this interested but confused man, you must be born anew. In other words, you must leave behind your old life and start this new life of faith. Some of us perhaps became Christians when we were older and We have a sense of what it means to leave our old life behind and start out on this new journey of faith. Others of us were baptized as infants, marked as Christ's own before we even knew what that meant, but we too were called. But whenever you heard that call, it is one which continually asks us, just like Abraham, just like the disciples, to leave behind what is so often comfortable and continue on this journey of faith. God asks us to leave behind much of what we view as security, to to not be so concerned about ourselves and not so tied to our stuff, but to live with generous abandon. I have a friend whose Lenten discipline this year is to give his stuff away to a thrift shop or a homeless shelter. And on Ash Wednesday, he gave away one item, and the next day he gave away two, and the next day three. And he plans to continue this every day so that on the last day of Lent, he'll be collecting 40 things from his house to give away. I can't do the math to figure out how much that is over the whole course of 40 days, but it's a lot. And that would be hard for me. First week, eh, okay, maybe I could do that. I've got 
plenty of extra socks I could <laughs> toss in the box. But God asks me to leave my stuff behind and come with him on that journey. God asks us to leave behind our fears. Oh, that's even tougher, isn't it? Especially in a world where both the news media and social media are so very accomplished at stoking our fears. We're afraid of COVID-19. We're afraid of drought. We're afraid of fire. We're afraid of power outages. We're afraid of political trends in our nation. Sometimes, sometimes I think all those fears actually make us comfortable because we've learned to love worrying But God asks us to leave those fears behind. Fear not, I am with you, he says. And please note, I'm not suggesting that we abdicate responsibility about how we live in the world. There are things that are dangerous. We all want to be wise and make good decisions. But God asks us to be mindful and not fearful. Mindful and not fearful. Abraham was called to go out, Hebrews 11 tells us, not knowing where he was going. But he was not afraid because he believed that God would both direct him and care for him. God asks us to leave behind our sins I hope that's something that we think about, especially during Lent, but the rest of the year as well, we get reminded of that call every week, don't we, when we hear that gracious invitation, let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. I was reading a discussion on Facebook the other day, a discussion among clergy, some of whom were complaining that we're just too focused on our sins during Lent, it's too much of a downer. It's a good reason I should have given up Facebook for Lent. (laughs) Of course we focus on our sins. And of course it's a downer. But sin is the reality in our lives. Our sins are stronger than we are, the psalmist writes. And when we were baptized, our sins were forgiven, but we sin again. You know the drill in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have a little plaque in our kitchen that reads, I try to watch what I eat, but I'm not fast enough. (laughs) At least in my life, that's how it is with sin. I try to watch what I say. try to watch what I think about others. But I'm not fast enough to stop those sinful thoughts and words and deeds. God asked me to leave them behind. How do I do that? Well, he tells me. He says, confess them honestly and truthfully and then leave them with me. Believe that God has forgiven me for the sake of and in the name of Jesus Christ, his son. He asks me to believe, to trust that Christ 
God's only begotten Son came into my life, not just the world, but my life, not to condemn me, but that I might be saved through him. He asks me to leave behind my sins. You know, sometimes I wish the lectionary readings would go a little further than they do. If our lesson from Genesis 12 had gone on just a few more verses, we would have heard this. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and he journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. I love those verses. I think they're such an important part of the story for two reasons. First of all, Abram, Abraham was 75 years old. Why, that's older than I am. Not much, but still. And at 75, he's just starting out on this journey. And to me, that's a reminder that the journey of faith is a lifelong endeavor. No matter how long we live, we're always starting the journey as if it's the very first day. You know, I remember what it was like to struggle as a young man with God's call to me, my, my wrestling with the reality that I was marked as Christ's own. I'm not talking here about my call to the ministry. I'm talking about my call to follow Christ, the call that each of us hears and receives. I, I remember what that was like, how, how confusing and unsettling it all was, but I've learned in the ensuing decades that it just doesn't get any less challenging as time goes by. Many years ago, when I was, oh, maybe about Father Seth's age, I guess, I was blessed to have a young associate at our church, just recently ordained, his name was Jeff, and also in my congregation was a beloved retired pastor named Merle. And one year, on this very second Sunday of Lent, when the call of Abraham comes up in the lectionary, the three of us did a three-part sermon with each of us reflecting on what the journey of faith looked like from where we were in life. Jeff, barely 30, Merle pushing 80, I somewhere in between. And I will never forget that sermon. It made me realize, as nothing else ever had, that indeed this journey is a lifelong one. And some of the questions and struggles change a bit over the years. But what does not change is the unsettling nature of Christian faith. What does not change is the challenge to follow Christ. At least it hasn't changed for me. And I don't think it ever will. And that's how it was with Abraham. He, he kept on going, never really making it to the destination, but trusting that God was guiding him. And, and sometimes in the journey, God felt very close at hand, sometimes not so much. Sometimes he did not understand why God was pointing him in a certain direction or asking him to do certain things. Sometimes he stumbled and lost sight of God's promise. But even then, God did not desert him. Sounds a lot like my life, my journey. And then that last wonderful phrase, he journeyed on by stages. Yeah, that's it. 
Sometimes, you know, we get the idea that we should be making progress on our Christian journey every day, all the time, and if we're not making progress, then something's wrong with us. But Abraham's journey was by stages. And, and, and to me, that means that he started off, he traveled a while, and he stopped for a season, and he started again, and that's a lot more like my life. Sometimes I feel like I'm not getting anywhere, mired in the mud of my sinful self, tired of struggling to love my neighbor and listen to God. Other times I feel like I'm growing in my faith faster than a teenager outgrows his clothes. What about you? Isn't that the way it usually is for you? God leads us on this journey, but it's in stages. We grow a while and then we don't. And it isn't necessarily that we've lost our way. It's just part of the process. And even if we have lost our way, God is there whispering directions guiding us back to the right path, leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's one thing I love about Lent, you know. It's that time when we get to start out again, get going in the right direction once again. Early Christians had a name for their faith. They did not, at least in the first decades, call it Christianity, They didn't call it evangelical. They didn't even call it Episcopalian. They called it the way. Their self-understanding was a lot like Abraham's, that their faith was not a stagnant, motionless thing. It was a journey. It was traveling, following, moving, always changing, growing always seeing new vistas, you know, like when you're driving on a road and you go around a bend and suddenly see something you've never seen before. That's what a journey is. And faith is a journey that begins with baptism and then moves on in stages through every season of our life until we reach our heavenly home and our final rest. Eric Milner White was an Anglican clergyman back in the first part of the last century, and he wrote a prayer that has become a favorite of mine. Please pray with me now as we use his words. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.